Let's take our Bibles and turn together to Ezekiel chapter 25. Ezekiel 25, the nations shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 25, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because you said, aha, against my sanctuary when it was profaned, and against the land of Israel when it was desolate, and against the house of Judah when they went into captivity. Indeed, therefore, I will deliver you as a possession to the men of the east, and they shall set their encampments among you and make their dwellings among you and shall eat your fruit, and they shall drink your milk. And I will make Rabbah a stable for camels and Ammon a resting place for flocks. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, because you clapped your hands, stamped your feet, and rejoiced in heart with all your disdain for the land of Israel, indeed, therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and give you as plunder to the nations. I will cut you off from the peoples, and I will cause you to perish from the countries. I will destroy you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Seir say, Look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Therefore, behold, I will clear the territory of Moab of cities, of the cities on its frontier, the glory of the country, Beth Jeshemoth, Baal Meon, and Kirjath Aram. To the men of the east, I will give it as a possession, together with the Ammonites, that the Ammonites may not be remembered among the nations. And I will execute judgments upon Moab, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah, by taking vengeance, and is greatly offended by avenging itself on them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate from Teman. Dedan shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel, that they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Unacceptable unacceptable. In our age of pluralism, relativism, and tolerance, many people find it unacceptable to believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who has the power to save us and bring us into the kingdom of heaven. 
unacceptable. Many insist that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. People of all faiths will be there. It is said that Christianity is merely one of many possible paths to God. All religious systems and worldviews are legitimate. Jesus is not the only way to God. People can be saved apart from knowing Christ. The Bible is abundantly clear, brothers and sisters, that Jesus is the only true hope for the nations of the world. Postmodernism says that no religion is superior to any other. Postmodernism says we need to affirm other religions, even if our beliefs flatly contradict one another. But Scripture insists that Christ is the only way. And all other belief systems are false. That is the message of Christianity. What did Jesus say, children? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. The Apostle John said, He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him, John 3, 36. The Apostle Paul said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, 5. And once again, John said, 1 John 5, 11, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. What further proof do we need that Christ is the only way to heaven? The Bible is emphatic that there's only one mediator, and without the Son there is no life. The nations of the world must turn to Him and all who repent and believe will be richly and eternally blessed. Congregation, in our text, we hear God's message against the nations in the days of Ezekiel who did not honor the God of Israel. Ezekiel 25 marks a transition in this book. The first 24 chapters deal primarily with the future of Judah and the fall of Jerusalem. But starting with Ezekiel 25, there are eight chapters of prophecies against foreign nations. Ezekiel 25 to 32 mentions 16 nations who were condemned by the Lord because of their crimes against him. The all-seeing God observes every nation on earth. There is not one that does not come under his scrutiny. The Lord God is sovereign over all, king of the nations. When he revealed the future to Ezekiel, the neighboring nations of Judah were condemned for they did not recognize the one true God. They did not worship and respect the Lord of Israel. They even mocked the only true God. Through the prophet Ezekiel, the Lord said, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. The nation shall know that I am the Lord. Brothers and sisters, there is only one God and one Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the nations of the earth must believe and worship him. Today, I want us to consider God's message to four nations. The oracle against Ammon, against Moab, against Edom, and against Philistia. 
We begin with God's oracle against Ammon. Let's look together in our Bibles to verse 1. Please open your Bible to verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Who are the Ammonites? They were Judah's neighbors to the northeast. They were related to the Israelites in that they were the descendants of Lot, Abraham's nephew. Ben-Ami was the son of Lot by Lot's daughter. Ben-Ami was the father of the Ammonites. I'm sure you all recall that sad episode in, in Lot's life. After he fled from the burning cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot dwelt in the mountains with his two daughters. His daughters were afraid that they would not have any children, and so they made their father drunk, and through a sinful, incestuous relationship, Ben-Ami was born to the youngest daughter. Ben-Ami was a son of incest. His birth was the result of the sinful scheming of Lot's daughters and the irresponsible drunkenness of Lot. The Ammonites grew into a large and mighty nation, but sadly, they completely lost the faith of Abraham and Lot. The Apostle Peter tells us that Lot was a genuine believer. Despite some foolish and sinful decisions, he was a child of God, a man of faith. 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8 calls Lot what? A righteous man. A righteous man. Sadly, his descendants did not hold fast to the God of Abraham and Lot. They did not pass on the truth from one generation to the next. Consequently, Lot's descendants became utterly pagan. They embraced false gods, false worship, false religion, false hope. Make it your prayer, brothers and sisters, make it your prayer that your children's children all the way to the coming of Christ will hold fast to the message of the cross and never deviate from it. We sang this morning from Psalm 22, and children's children shall proclaim the glorious honor of his name. The Ammonites had a long history of regarding Israel with contempt. When they were delivered from Egypt, the Ammonites refused to help them by giving them bread and water. They also hired Balaam to curse the Israelites. During the period of the judges, the Ammonites assisted the enemies of Israel. And during the reigns of Saul and David, we read of continual conflict between the Israelites and the Ammonites. Typically, throughout their history, the relationship between Israel and the Ammonites was one of hostility. They were relatives. They were relatives, but they treated Israel with contempt. Now here in our text, the Lord said in verse 2, Son of man, Set your face against the Ammonites and prophesy against them. What was their crime? What was their crime? Well, look, please, at verses 3 and 4. Say to the Ammonites, 
Hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because you said, Aha, against my sanctuary when it was profaned, and against the land of Israel when it was desolate, and against the house of Judah when they went into captivity, indeed, therefore I will deliver you as a possession to the men of the east, and they shall set their encampments among you and make their dwellings among you. They shall eat your fruit, and they shall drink your milk. What was the crime of the Ammonites? They rejoiced in Judah's downfall. They cheered when the temple was destroyed. Verse 6 says they clapped their hands and stamped their feet and rejoiced in heart. As the city of Jerusalem and the great temple went up in flames, they stood at a distance and said, yes, yes, look at that, hooray! They rejoiced. They rejoiced over the downfall of God's people and took pleasure in Judah's final destruction. Although Judah's demise was a punishment from God for their sin, it was wrong for the Ammonites to rejoice over it and to delight in Judah being punished for their iniquities. Children, do you remember what God said in his covenant with Abraham? I will make you a great nation, I will bless those who bless you, and I will what? Curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Brothers and sisters, in those words to Abraham, there is a prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ, the blessing that the Lord spoke of in Genesis 12, blessing for all the families of the earth is the blessing that would come through the Messiah. God promised that from Abraham's line, the Messiah would be born, the one who would bring salvation, the one who would redeem his people from all their iniquities. If the Ammonites embraced the Israelites, the children of Abraham, they could have shared the Messianic promises and been blessed with wonderful spiritual blessings. If they embraced the descendants of Abraham, they could have participated in the spiritual blessings promised to Abraham. God said, I will bless those who bless you. But instead, throughout their history, the Ammonites resisted the Israelites. And what did God say? I will curse him who curses you. When the Ammonites cheered the destruction of Jerusalem at its temple, they brought upon themselves God's curse. They should have been weeping over the judgments of God. They should have been in sackcloth and ashes, calling for a solemn season of repentance before Him. But instead, the Ammonites said, yes, yes, let it burn. And they brought upon themselves the Lord's anger. Ezekiel declared that their own land would be taken over by foreign invaders and their capital city would become a pasture for the enemy's flocks. The Ammonites would perish under the hand of the Lord. By rejecting the Israelites, they were rejecting both the church and the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, the great descendant of Abraham. In the Old Testament, Israel was the church. And Israel possessed the gospel, 
the promise of the Messiah. Therefore, to reject Israel and to celebrate her destruction was to reject God's plan of salvation, the only way of salvation through his beloved son, Jesus Christ. God said, I will curse him who curses you. The Ammonites clapped their hands when Judah went into captivity and they came under God's curse. Dear friends, it's a terrible thing to come under God's curse. Those who do not humble themselves before Jesus Christ today will also be cursed. God says that if you do not believe his word, turn away from your sin, and receive the message of salvation through the cross of Christ, you will be eternally cursed. There's no salvation for those who remain in their sin, only condemnation. The oracle against Ammon is a warning that if you do not believe in the God of Abraham and the Messiah promised to Abraham, and if you do not confess your need for the saving grace of Jesus Christ, then you will be eternally cursed. May God's curse upon Ammon cause each one of you to find your salvation and hope in Christ alone. Then we turn secondly to the oracle against Moab. The oracle against Moab. Look with me in your Bibles to verse 8. Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Seir say, Look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Therefore, behold, I will clear the territory of Moab of cities. Who were the Moabites? Who were the Moabites? They were Judah's neighbors to the east of the Jordan. They occupied the territory immediately south of Ammon. Like the Ammonites, the Moabites were the descendants of Lot, except by his eldest daughter. The name Moab means, from my father. Moab was also a son of incest, a son of Lot, born of a sinful, incestuous relationship. Like the Ammonites, the Moabites had also become a rather large nation. And they had also forsaken the faith of their father Lot and the faith of Abraham. They became worshipers of Chemosh. Chemosh was a god to whom human sacrifices were made. Sometimes the Moabites were simply called the people of Chemosh. The people of Chemosh. Throughout their history, the Moabites were constantly at odds with the Israelites. And they had often come under the reign of the Israelites. Therefore, when the Babylonian army marched up to Jerusalem and destroyed it, the Moabites expressed their approval. They said, the house of Judah is like all the nations, that is, conquered by Babylon. The Moabites said, Judah's God is no greater than any other God. He could not preserve them. Therefore, the Lord must be just as weak as the gods of the other nations who fell before the Babylonian army. Congregation, Moab's crime was its conviction that Israel's God was no different from the gods of the other nations. They believed that since Judah was destroyed, it meant that their God did not have the power to save them. 
Moab did not perceive that Judah's fall was not due to the weakness of the Lord, but to the sinfulness of Judah. When they said the house of Judah is like all the nations, they were insulting the power and glory of the only true God. Therefore the Lord said, I will destroy your cities. I will give your land to your enemies. I will execute judgment upon Moab. You shall share the fate of Ammon. Congregation, the Moabites could have been so wonderfully blessed if they had only forsaken their false worship and turned in faith to the God of Lot and Abraham. They could have prospered both materially and spiritually if they had only rejected the false god Chemosh and others and turned to the God of salvation, the one who had promised to send a Savior to rescue his people from their sins. Throughout their history, there were some Moabites who believed in the God of Israel and received the blessings of salvation. There is one who stands out very prominently on the pages of Scripture. Who is that? Ruth, the Moabitess, the great-grandmother of King David. You'll recall that Ruth made that wonderful, that beautiful confession which we all know so well. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Ruth renounced her old religion, the religion of Moab, and embraced the faith of Israel. She understood that the gods of Moab were deaf, dumb, blind, dead, worthless idols. She found refuge under the wings of the Almighty. Your God shall be my God. How blessed she was by confessing her faith in the one true God. She embraced the promises of the gospel, left her old life behind, and God showered her with spiritual blessings in abundance. That is what the Moabites could have had. As Ruth prospered, so the people of Moab could have prospered if they only made that good confession with heart and lips, your people shall be my people and your God my God. But instead of a blessing, verses 8 through 11 pronounced a curse. I will execute judgment upon Moab. Dear friends, aren't there many people today who make the same foolish mistake as the Moabites? Instead of confessing faith in the God of Scripture, they doubt His power, uniqueness, and supreme glory and majesty. Aren't there many people today who think that the God of Scripture can be safely ignored? They live their lives without prayer, without biblical worship, without Bible reading, without church fellowship, without the sacraments, without the means of grace, without daily communion with God. They go about their regular work. They eat, sleep, laugh, walk, and play. But in all their activity, they assume that the God of Scripture can be safely ignored. How utterly foolish. The God of the Bible is a living God. He's powerful, glorious, and majestic. He's sovereign over the universe, sovereign over all people. Dear friends, to know His blessing and love, you cannot ignore Him. 
You must confess that he is indeed the Lord of creation, the God of salvation, the one who is worthy of all praise and adoration. As Ruth the Moabitess made that beautiful confession, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. So each one of you must confess with all your heart, the God of the Bible is my God, my creator, my savior, my hope, my eternal refuge, and by his grace I will praise and serve him with all my being. Well, we come then thirdly from the oracle against Ammon, the oracle against Moab, to the oracle against Edom. Against Edom. Let's read verse 12. Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance, it has greatly offended by avenging itself on them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate. Children, who were the Edomites? Who were the Edomites? That should not be so difficult, right? The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Esau was Jacob's twin brother. They were Judah's neighbors who lived in the region just south of Moab. If you have a map perhaps before you, Ammon would be toward the top, then Moab, then Edom. In the Israelites' struggle with the Edomites, we are reminded of what the Lord said concerning Jacob and Esau already before they were born. In Genesis 25, I'm sure you remember that story, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah conceived twins. But the children struggled together within her. And Rebekah went to inquire of the Lord. What did the Lord say? He said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When the time came for Rebekah to give birth, Esau was born first, then Jacob. Congregation, the struggle of those two boys in the womb was the beginning of a struggle that lasted many, many years. The Israelites and the Edomites, although they were brothers, were at odds for a long, long time. Therefore, when the Babylonian army decimated Jerusalem, there were no tears shed by the Edomites. Rather than weeping for their brother, verse 12 says, they took vengeance against the house of Judah. After the Babylonians laid siege against Jerusalem, the Edomites took advantage of the situation and went out raiding their southern towns and villages. That is what verse 12 is referring to when it talks about taking vengeance. The Edomites even took advantage of Judeans who were fleeing from the Babylonians after their invasion of Judah. Because of their hatred, cruelty, lack of compassion for the descendants of Abraham, their brothers, the Edomites would be severely punished similar to that of Ammon and Moab. Notice verse 13. The Lord said, therefore, 
Thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate from Teman. Dedan shall fall by the sword. In other words, the territory of Edom will be laid waste from north to south. And verse 14 adds that the people of Israel would one day rise up and conquer Edom. Once again, congregation, the Edomites could have been greatly blessed if they had only committed themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, the older was required to serve the younger. Yes, Esau was required to serve Jacob. But what a blessing the Edomites would have received by living within the will of God. If they had only humbled themselves before the Lord, believed the truth, and given their lives to His service, Edom would have remained a strong and healthy nation. Tragically, they turned against their brother, fought against him, raided his towns at the weakest moment, and harassed the helpless who were fleeing from the Babylonian army. Dear friends, there are so many today who think they can do their own will, force their own agenda, and all the while ignore the will of God. There are blessings through obedience to the Word and joy in doing the will of God. There's great satisfaction in living for Him and true comfort in His message of salvation, sins forgiven and life everlasting. But I assure you, I assure you this afternoon that when you follow your own preferences and push your own will, all the while ignoring the will of God, you will most certainly not enjoy the blessings of God's grace and favor. When you insist on doing your own thing, God will leave you to your own misery and you will suffer because of your own unfaithful choices. Those who thirst for power, position, prestige, or prominence in this life and push God aside to fulfill their own ambitions, such people will not experience the blessing and smile of God upon them. Brothers and sisters, the crime of the Edomites was similar to the crimes of Ammon and Moab. They would not put themselves under God's rule and submit to His authority. They would not humbly receive God's way of salvation through the promised Messiah who would be born of Israel. Children, another question for you. When Esau was a young man, do you remember what he did? He sold his birthright. He sold his birthright. In Hebrews 12, verse 16, Esau is called a profane person, a godless person, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. By selling his birthright for a morsel of food, Esau showed complete indifference to the spiritual promises which God had given to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. He, he refused to embrace the faith. And now in our text, many years later, the descendants of Esau have not changed. Like their father, they were a profane and godless nation. 
with no interest in the spiritual promises given to Isaac and Abraham. Like their father, they would not repent before the Lord and yield to him. And therefore God said, I will stretch out my hand against Edom. They shall fall by the sword. They shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God. And then we come to oracle number four, the oracle against Philistia. The oracle against Philistia. Look with me to verses 15 through 17. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes. Who were the Philistines? They were Judah's neighbors to the west along the coast. For many years, the Philistines had been a thorn in the flesh to Israel. During the conquest of the land under Joshua, they had not been completely defeated. And throughout the years, they continued to oppose the people of Israel. They were a persistent menace from the conquest through the period of the judges, at the time of Eli and Samuel, and through the entire reign of Saul. During David's reign, the Philistines were subdued for a time, but after David, they continued to be a thorn in Israel's side. When the Babylonians invaded Judah, the Philistines thought it was a good opportunity to get back at the Israelites. But God saw their vengeful spirit. He saw their hatred. He saw their malice and said, your territory by the seacoast will be destroyed. I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines. I will cut off the Cherethites, one of the Philistine tribes, and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. God said that this ancient enemy of God's people would be completely destroyed. What we see in this chapter, brothers and sisters, is that the rise and fall of nations and kingdoms is in the hand of God. He is sovereign over the nations. As King Nebuchadnezzar once said, he removes kings and raises up kings. The Lord is sovereign. He rules over Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia, and he also rules over Babylon. But the Babylonian army flattened Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia. It was not merely because of the military strength of Babylon. It was God's hand of judgment upon those nations. The sovereign Lord used Babylon to punish those nations who would not yield to him and would not humble themselves before him. Congregation, as we read these verses, may it be a reminder to us that the God of Scripture is still sovereign over the nations. And that his judgments are righteous and just. He's sovereign over the affairs in the Middle East. He's sovereign over Russia and the Ukraine. And he's sovereign over the United States of America and this land of Canada. Through wars, conflict, and death, the Lord calls all the nations to declare that he 
is Lord. All the nations must confess the God of Scripture, acknowledge the supreme king, submit to his authority, and bow before him in humble submission and worship. Iraq, Sudan, Afghanistan, North Korea, the UK, France, the United States, Canada. Yes, all the nations must confess his kingship and humble themselves before the God of salvation. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 2? Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. What does he say next? Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. What does the psalmist call the nations to do? Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. How can we expect God's blessing on our nation if we continue the way we are? We've embraced secularism and relativism. We tolerate and even celebrate every form of wickedness. From abortion to same-sex marriage, pride parades, pride month, transgenderism, and every form of godly and ungodly entertainment and internet filth. We tolerate and are expected to celebrate so many things that God has condemned in His Word. Instead of kissing the Son, instead of loving and serving the God of salvation, instead of honoring Jesus Christ, we have become a nation that has largely pushed the God of the Bible aside. His oracles against Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia should be a warning to us. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Congregation, there is only one God. There's only one Savior. And we must give him our full attention. He's not merely a Sunday God or a God that we call upon in, in times of emergency when we find ourselves in a fix. No, he is the God that we must honor, serve, and worship from Sunday to Saturday. He's the one we must turn to for the forgiveness of our sins. Our hope for eternity is in Jesus alone. God's anger is turned aside from us through the cross alone. That is what we need. That is what our nation needs. That's what the nations of the earth need. Through the suffering, crucified, and risen Savior, we are delivered from our sin, and God's furious rebukes are turned aside. God said, I will destroy Ammon. I will clear the territory of Moab. I will stretch out my hand against Edom. I will execute great vengeance on Philistia. Think about it. What is left of those nations today? Congregation, God is always true to His Word. 
May we then learn from his judgments in the past, turn from our sin today, trust the God of salvation, declare his glory among the nations, and humbly submit to his word. He's a living God, the only God, the only Savior. I call you today to devote your life to him. Christ is on the throne, and the day is coming when we will experience the fullness of Psalm 72. Christ shall have dominion over land and sea. Earth's remotest regions shall his empire be. They that wilds inhabit shall their worship bring. Kings shall render tribute. Nations serve our king. Christ shall have dominion over land and and see earth's remotest regions shall his empire be won't you devote your life to him let us pray Lord, we thank you and we praise you that there are tremendous blessings for those who acknowledge their folly and sin and turn to the Savior, put their faith in him, embrace the promises that you have made. We recognize, Lord, that there are blessings both for this life and for eternity for all who humble themselves. Lord, we have a message for the nations. And even as we hear that solemn word of judgment against the nations in our text, so we recognize a day is coming when all those who refuse to embrace the truth will come under your judgment. And we know, Lord, there's a way of escape. We know that in Christ there is freedom. Give us the courage to proclaim that message today. Oh, Lord, we pray that many would kiss the Son, lest he be angry. May it be true of each one of us who are present here today to kiss the sun, to find our hope, our refuge, our eternal security, our joy in him. May the words of this chapter remind us again that our Lord Jesus is coming in all the nations will acknowledge his authority, his sovereignty. So, Lord, until that day, help us to bring the claims of your word to the nations. Help us to do it right here in our community. May we do so with love. May we do so with humility. And may we do so with urgency. Receive our praises as we conclude this service. 
Look upon us through your beloved Son. In his name we pray. Amen.